Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Five Things Podcast in 2021. Lots of exciting stuff coming our way in this odd-numbered year. First, before we start the show, I'd like to encourage everyone, it's not too late, to go back in time to our 50th episode and take a listen about some of our predictions and our friends' predictions for what's going to be happening in 2021. We had some amazing guests, including uh, Tom Chirico from Twitter, Amanda Getz, the CMO of Teal and founder of House of Wise, Willis Wiggin and Toby Daniels and Justine Armour, uh, unbelievable guests uh, who gave their predictions for what they see happening in the social and digital and creative space in 2021. We hope you can give it a listen. Also, before we start, a big congratulations to friend of the pod, original host, Toby Daniels, founder uh, and CEO of Social Media Week uh, for their acquisition. They are now a part of Adweek and he is the new chief innovation officer. We're so excited for him. We're so excited for his team and excited to see what that means for uh, all of us as friends of Social Media Week and Adweek. With that, Amanda Davis, Beth Rolfs, welcome back. 2021, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So glad to have made it to 2021. Just barely. We're here. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We're here. Uh, very excited to be back here with both of you. Excited to talk to Juliana also when she comes back on the pod. We're all here. We've made it. Let's dive in. This week's five things. Beth is going to talk about the Ratatouille TikTok musical, which earned over a million dollars in ticket sales, which is unreal and awesome. We're going to talk about the FTC launching wide-ranging probes into social media channels and what they do with personal data. We're going to talk about Twitch banning simp. Ooh, what did simp do? We're about to find out. Twitter adding similarity prompts among users. I've seen quite a bit of those, so excited to talk about that. And then finally, Facebook launching collab. Who will we all collab with in 2021? And then Joey will be joining us to talk about one more thing. So with that, let's have some fun in 2021 and dive right in. Beth, Ratatouille the musical, let's hear it. Yeah, what better way to start the new year? So Ratatouille the TikTok musical, also known as the Ratusical, um aired and it earned over one million dollars in ticket sales on new year's day from its virtual stream so just a reminder all of that money was donated you didn't have to pay to watch um the retusical but it was a great performance that involved a lot of um big names wayne brady was one of my personal favorites just you know great talent there um and some of the proceeds, not all of them, which is kind of a bummer, but some of them, I'm hoping most of them went to the Actors Fund charity, which supports um, entertainment and performers that have been out of work through COVID. So, you know, a really, I think, bright way to start the new year. I think it's also an interesting display in the success of TikTok as something more than just a place where short little videos are made and um, really leans into kind of the potential of the platform and the collaboration that happens on the platform. 
which is great for us as marketers and hopefully kind of opens all of our eyes to the potential of the platform in a really big, big way. So what do you guys before, think? We, before we dive into what it means for marketers, I just want to say, I kind of like that only some of the proceeds went to charity and I'll tell you why there's a, and I'm not like Scrooge or so, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to steal from people, but it's a little <laughs> bit of normalcy. You know, we're based here yeah. in New York. We go to Broadway shows and, you know, you go, you pay for your ticket to see the musical and, and the people are, are compensated. And then they do their charity at the end, which is, which, you know, every time you go to a Broadway show, the whole cast comes out at the end and talks about the charity that they're doing the show for, which I think is amazing. Um, so that's just one thought. I will also say, let's talk about what this means for marketers and, and why, uh, you know, I'm so thrilled to see something like this. And, and this isn't the first musical to live on TikTok. There was the grocery store musical in 2020, which was kind of awesome too, but this was the first major production. The creator community that exists on TikTok is next level. And you're going to start to see other channels try to replicate and build their own repository of creators. Um, the the intuitiveness of this and the way that they, you know, mar advertisers and marketers always talk about hacking the platform and they think it's some like dangerous thing. This was a hack of the platform. This was leveraging all of the tools that the platform gives you to create something amazing. And you're going to start to see the strength of creators. The biggest takeaway for me, all in all, is if you are a brand and you are going to use these channels and you're going to leverage creators, you have to let them create. You can't dictate what they create. Uh, it, it is the theme of 2021 is this notion of co-creation for me. And I, I just loved it. I thought it was awesome and, and the proof is in the pudding and it won't be the end of uh, collaborative creation that we see on a channel like TikTok. And the only thing I agree, and I think, Kenny, the only thing I'll add is like a million dollars in what, three or four weeks over a holiday season to see a very, I would say, niche, ratusical content is a crazy amount of, of spending power, especially for a generation that I think there's been a lot of questions around, you know, how they're using social media, how they're engaging, how they're paying for content. So it's like when you look at, at you know, this group of, I don't know, te teenage to early 20s uh, viewers or older. And Beth. And I was going to say, don't, don't assume, but I'm assuming Beth was in there somewhere too. And you look at a million dollars, like if you're a brand that is not sure if TikTok is a place to get into or if there's opportunity there, this should be very clear that there there is an audience there that wants to kind of consume this content and is ready to, to hear some of these messages, especially purpose-driven or kind of charity supporting messages too. Yeah. I do think though that you bring up an interesting point about the audience. Like, I do, TikTok is no longer just for the the youth, you know, mm -hmm. everyone's on it. And I don't think it's, it was a, yeah, early coronavirus pandemic download. But I think it's here to stay for a lot of the 30 year olds that make the joke about being too old on the platform and even 40 and 50 year olds. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of power on that platform for sure. As we can all three agree okay. yeah. <laughs> all right well <laughs> just want to get this again for everyone a little bit um so moving on from really fun and exciting things like the rat tattoo musical we're going to talk about the ftc launching some uh, a wide-ranging probe into the social media channels 
And essentially what happened was uh, in mid-December, some of the biggest social media companies in the world were spotlighted by the FTC to study how they're using personal information and driving user engagement. They're focusing on uh, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Reddit, but also Amazon, Discord, WhatsApp, and YouTube, and a few others. So um, they're playing, you know, the FTC understands and recognizes the role that these channels are playing in our daily lives. Uh, and what does that data mean um, for, for, for those channels and, and for our own protection as consumers? Um, you know, the, the FTC is a nonpartisan body. Um, but oddly enough, the only person who opposed doing this was the Trump-nominated commissioner, uh, Noah Joshua Phillips. Um, I think that this is just the kind of thing we all need to keep our eye on as we think about this channel as a means to connect with consumers. They're going to pursue and look into how social media and video streaming services collect, use, and track, estimate, or derive personal and demographic information, uh, how they determine what ads and content are shown to people, uh, you know, how they apply data and analytics and, and the algorithms to personal information, how they measure prompt and research user engagement, and then ultimately how this practice impacts the youth of the world, children and teens. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to understand how this works and to see how it's going to be regulated. Beth, as our resident data guru, what do you think? Oh man, this is actually one of my soapbox topics that you probably should never want to talk to me about. Um, you know, the power of these algorithms, especially on young people, is is not something that we should, you know, not take seriously. There's a lot of persuasive power in what you see on a day-to-day basis, and that content is being delivered based off of how these algorithms perceive you and kind of the data that they're gathering from you, which, as we all know, a lot of times our social media persona is not necessarily true to who we are. So there is some conflict there um, that I I think we should be aware of and data ethics, I think, is going to be a hot topic in 2021 and forward. Um, this will... It's interesting because even while this is happening, some of our five things coming up are not, we're not seeing the lack of use of data to kind of create a more personalized experience, um, which makes me wonder, are these, are the platforms concerned? Are they taking it seriously? Um, From a marketer's perspective, I think this could have a lot of implications in how we receive data from the platforms and what we're able to do in terms of personalization and reaching people on the platforms based off of the information that they're giving on the platforms. Um, I think this for me is kind of a wait and see game. I'm not getting too up in arms about it or too, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch as my mom would say, but I think this could have some huge implications. What do you guys think? Yeah, this is just, this is the the trillion dollar question. The thing that makes social media so powerful for brands is the ability to hyper target, engage, and create resonance with consumers. 
and what the FTC decides to do will impact the way that this content lives out in the world and how we leverage these platforms. Um, so it is a wait and see game, but this is, we can't sit in our personal lives and ask the channels to regulate and become better citizens within our digital ecosystem and then not anticipate that this is going to impact the way we do our work on a professional level. Um, so uh, I, I think it's overdue, long overdue, and 100% necessary. And it will be, uh, the impact will reach our shores as marketers. Um, and I'll be curious to see where it lands. Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of like when, kind of, when they regulated the financial system in the 80s. And it sparked a whole new wave of innovation. I, I, there's some theory I can't remember the name of it, but you know, regulation leads to innovation and creation to basically get around regulation. So I don't think that even if this does happen, the platforms are dead and we won't see some new form of personalization. But I think there might be more stringent data ethics behind that innovation and how. You know, we just talked about hacking platforms. It's it's also reimagining the platforms. So I don't think this will kill the platforms, but you're right. We can't ask for a better world and then as marketers not, you know, adjust to the better world that we've asked to be created as human beings. Yeah. <laughs> she is quiet right now. Not her not her domain. But you know what is her domain? Twitch banning simp. What you guys happened, had, you guys had such poetic metaphors. I was literally, I felt like I was listening to a song hearing you guys talk about that. So I was just letting you guys landing roll. on landing on shores. Yeah, a lot of personality in that one. Um, uh, yes, um, we're the, we're the, this is like the metaphor. This is metaphor central here. This is, is okay, like metaphor somebody. central. See what I did? Yeah, grand grand metaphor station. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move us on. So this week, Twitch rolled out um, a revamp of its harassment policy, banning words like simp and incel and virgin. I felt really weird reading that sentence. But these are all targeted towards kind of what they heard last year in the community that a lot of either women or non-binary people that were on the platform or streaming were receiving a lot of harassment, were receiving a lot of, you know, negative attention and didn't feel comfortable sometimes on the platform. So this is part of a rollout of a couple of different policies that are kind of geared towards making sure that the people that are on the platform feel reflective of the actual gaming community. I think obviously, you know, we're, we're due to get a lot of 2020 statistics, which will change a lot. Um, but like in 2019, for instance, I know when you look at gamers, like actually people playing games in their home versus people who are actually leveraging Twitch, streaming and active on the platform, there was a little bit of a divide between, you know, men, women, non-binary folks and whoever else may be there versus who actually felt comfortable showing up on that platform without being harassed. So, I mean, we talk a lot about policy on this platform because, you know, there are platforms that are doing more to roll out a little bit of you know, new new kind of rules and regulations for these um audiences. I think Twitch is doing something good and, and revisiting what is traditionally considered okay or not okay to say. And we've talked a lot about it too. You know, it has to be an evolving practice, assessing how people are now, you know, 
what are people are using as insults? How are people harassing people? What is that behavior? It changes every day. So there has to be kind of eyes on the ground that tells you what is that new way of, of harassment that's showing up and how do you update the policy accordingly versus the set it and forget it, you know, traditional harassment policy. So why can't I people this- just be nice? What <sighs> I, 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 I'm not going to give Joey a bleep moment in our first <laughs> episode back this year. It, it, it's, in, I mean, good on Twitch, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you need to do. You need to listen to what's happening on your platform. You need to continue to create a safe environment so that people can behave. And it's like, I'm all about pushing the channels to be better and creating safe space for marketers. But at the same time, it's like, what, like the, the average Twitch user is like 26 years old, probably somewhere in that, I'm making it up, but somewhere in that range. It's like, with a career, with a fit, like they're not this like loner in the basement. Like they are people that we all know and talk to all the time. Like that is the average Twitch user. And to your point, Kenny, they still have this issue. It's troubling. Yeah. Like behave. I'm so close to dropping an F bomb. I'm like, I, like <laughs> it's such a it's such a hard it's uh I'm sorry, Joey, if it slips out. Hopefully someone's paying attention. Beyond- it's, it's just not it's not okay it's like it's just i'm glad twitch is doing it create a safe space for marketers we're going to see better stronger more awesome twitch activations in 2021 um and and ultimately you know this gives us confidence as marketers to say to our clients you know you can be on these channels and that they're they're self-regulating and they're starting it at at like, I think Twitch has 15 million active daily users, which in the grand scheme of platforms isn't wild the way that Facebook and Instagram have billions. But I think to see this level of attention and, and severity taken to the harassment policy early on are the kinds of things that are going to set Twitch up to be a great platform for brands, to grow the community, to have like a very inclusive space because they're doing this while they're still you know able to manage it versus letting it get out of control. Am I the only person who every time we use the the word billion, I put a pinky up to my mouth like I'm Dr. Evil? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you might be the only person. Yeah, yeah. It's like Twitch has 15 billion. It's like every time I, I know it's million, but like I'm, I don't know, 90s kid. Okay, Beth, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, I would it would be really interesting to see the people that are using kind of this harassment language, if they're original Twitch users or kind of when they joined the platform. Um, Cause I wonder if, if they're original users, will there be like a Twitch 2.0 where people go to have freedom of speech? You know, we're seeing like parlor and other platforms being created for the, I guess, less kind mindset. So you know, that's where my head goes, of course, the data. Here we are. Classic Beth. Classic. classic Beth. It's a classic Beth. <laughs> so things don't change in the new year. Um, all right. So, uh, Beth, it's your turn. You can take the lead again here and talk about Twitter adding similarity. Oh, by the way, when I originally read this thing, because I didn't read the article, the first thing that you just talked about, Amanda, I thought Simp was a streamer and he did something wrong. 
or she. I could tell if you said he or she, and I have such a hatred towards that word. Like, I felt like this was chosen for me. I will go on a rant about that <laughs> word all day. And if you don't know, for our, our listeners, simp is a word that people started using to insult. This is how crazy the word is to insult people who are like what they say is like desperate for a woman's attention. But like, anytime that you basically respect a woman on the platform, you get called a simp or like support a woman. And it's like, these are not inherently bad things that these people who are getting this insult are receiving. So I could talk about how much I hate that word all day, but yes, that's a new slang that again, Twitch has gotten in front of and seen that it's being used as an insult by some people on the platform. I thought it was, I honestly just thought it was a streamer. I was so going to correct you, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to burst your bubble until we got can here. I just, can I just jump in and interrupt for two seconds and say that I had to ask uh, in among us what that meant to the group. Cause I had no idea. Oh, it's well, like, the, it that. makes me so yeah. mad. It literally, Bad people voice. be like, good job, Amanda. And they'll be like, oh, okay, simp. It's like, okay, that's just human respect. Like, <laughs> what? Okay, so that voice crazy. just heard joining us is our intrepid producer, Joey. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he's in his glass box over there as we uh, all continue to have this conversation. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only to one. To learn about new slime. Joey, Joey and I are sitting here knowing nothing. Um, you know nothing, producer Joey. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So let's move on before this gets out of hand. Uh, Beth, Twitter added similarity prompts among users. What have we got? Right. So Twitter is testing kind of this new way to spark, I guess, human engagement meaning people respecting each other on the platform and maybe having a view that the person that they are talking to is a human and has similar interests to them and they should reconsider a hateful post before it even happens. So my understanding of this is when you go to reply to someone's tweet, at the bottom of the screen there will be a text box that says something like you and Maria both follow topics like soccer dogs and rats so that you understand the person that you're talking to also has similar interests there's some talk of also being able to say exact people that you follow or celebrities that you follow um and it's I think it's a it's a great attempt on Twitter's part to encourage um, people to maybe second guess some of the content or the comments that they're going to be posting on people's tweets. Personally, do I think it's going to make a huge difference? No, I don't know that someone who has the intent of posting something nasty on someone else's tweet is going to say, oh, we both like dogs. Therefore, I should not post this comment. Um, I, I also, it's an interesting play for marketers. There's already been some discussion of is this going to turn into a marketing trick? Like you both like, I don't know, consumer goods. Here's a coupon for toilet paper, whatever bad example. But um, I could see this going down kind of a negative marketing hole. While it is an opportunity for marketers, I don't know that it's going to make the platform necessarily a better 
place for its users. And I don't know that that would be the most genuine way for a marketer to get in front of someone. Even before marketing, I don't know, this almost feels counterintuitive to what they're trying to do in saying that someone has to not, I, I know they're not saying this, but almost implying that like, you should be nice to this person because you have something in common. When in reality, you should be nice to everybody, even the people you don't have things in common with. I'm just, this is so, such a crazy feature to me and I don't understand it at all. And I don't know if this will stick around. Kenny, what do you think? Kenny's just shaking his head. I I just am. It's like, um, hi, Beth. This is Amanda. She works in advertising, too. It's like, it's it's almost like, um, it's almost like uh, Twitter's trying to be a matchmaker, an emotional matchmaker. Um, I think it's fine. Let's see where it goes. I'm not going to. 2021 resolution. I'm not going to overthink these new beta features. Um, I'll be very interested to see if they work. Um, it'll if that draws back to like targeting and it helps us, you know, target these consumers better. We see cooler inter, you know interaction and engagement as a result of it. Cool. If not, we move on. I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit Pollyanna. I imagine like some sweet person was like, you know what, let's try to make this platform a little nicer. <laughs> and that's how this came about, which I don't hate, but we'll see how it actually rolls out and how long it lasts to your point, Amanda. And Kenny, ironically, my 2021 resolution is to overthink more. So I think we'll balance each other out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so that's where we, <laughs> this, is, this is where we've landed, huh? Um, all right, great. You and I are the yin and yang of uh, overthinking. As always. Um, well, then, um, I am ready for us to land on our final thing here, um, which is the fact that Facebook launched Collab. Um, so I want to hear from you, Amanda, what this is, and I want to know what we're going to do about it. Tell us. Well, that's what I'm here for. All right. Facebook launched Collab, which is an app that lives outside of the Facebook interface. And right now um, they've had it as invite only for a beta for a little while and they've released it publicly. So what this does is I'm going to explain the feature and then we'll talk about what this sounds like. So this allows you to basically combine three different up to three different music videos together that will be synced by one song. So kind of like what we've seen on Triller and TikTok, you don't have to sync the videos up themselves, but you can post a part of a song. If you're a guitarist, for instance, you can post one part of the song and then someone else can decide to collab with you record the same song and it'll sync it up together. A third person comes in and does the vocals. It syncs everything together without having to, you know, have any editing experience. It's all in the app. So again, this is a separate app from Facebook or Instagram. um, And it does feel, I hate to say it, like a little bit of TikTok duets or like Triller or any of those kind of video platforms that we've seen. Um, I think to, to the point of what we were just talking about, let's not overthink some of these features. It's Facebook testing out, you know, can, is there a market? I think they probably saw a white space of something that the apps I just mentioned aren't doing. Perhaps this comes into Facebook eventually as a feature. Overall, um, obviously this has to do with content creation, the way that people are making and consuming content on the channels, the kind of content they're consuming, musical, video. There's a lot of um, people singing or playing instruments and having their own kind of talents in this place. I think 
the first thing I originally thought of is last month when Facebook launched, I think it, it has a similar name, but it's Brand Collab Manager, which basically connects influencers and brands on the platform. It's like very turnkey and easy to find people to work with your brand. I, I don't know that they're related. They just have very similar names. But all to say there is kind of this idea in how people and brands connect on the platform that is evolving and is becoming a little bit more creatively driven. I love the names. The names are ridiculous. Like collab. We're cool. That's what the names are similar, but also very vague. <laughs> it just, this is going to lean into co-creation and the creator network that is being built across these channels. It is that simple. Co-creation. Have you heard the bird is the word? Uh, don't do it, Joey. I know, <laughs> I, I know you want to do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do um, all right everyone well um with that uh we have one more thing and i want joey to tell us about twitter buying breaker and this new moment in our lives <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it is quite a moment um so right so twitter acquired breaker uh if you don't know uh breaker is an app that positions itself as the social media podcast app. Um, they are, you know, it, on this platform, they encourage users to leave comments, connect with friends. That way, you know, you can know what your other friends are listening to. Um, but they are shutting down as of January 15th. Um, Breaker's never really broken through past, you know, the the behemoths of Spotify and, and Apple, but, um, I think this is interesting that they are shutting down. Twitter is acquiring them, but not acquiring the app, not continuing to run the app. Um, they put out a blog post and tell, will tell their users how they can transfer over their playlist to other um, pod catchers. Um, you know, it's it, what's interesting to me about this is that they built, um, they tried to build a, build a community around this function of listening to podcasts. But what this might actually prove is depending on where Twitter takes uh, this function, they could actually bring the function to a community, which I think is really interesting because, um, you know, it's hard to add another app to create a new behavior. Um, if you already listen to podcasts on Spotify, why would you switch to Breaker? Why would you switch to a new app just so that you could chat with your friends? Um, you know, there are other apps out there that do the same thing, like good pods. But what we find is that it's mostly people who are deeply in the podcast community. And so I think this is an interesting moment for Twitter, um, you know, as they're also building out their audio uh, offering and, you know, growing spaces and things like that. This could provide, you know, some really interesting um, back end. So what I think is, you know, the takeaway for, for marketers, too, is that, you know, I think audio's audio is increasing, 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 and we should keep, you know, producing audio ideas and putting things into podcasts and creating new podcasts. Um, but like the action step right away is that if you have a podcast and you have a website, got to take that breaker logo off if, uh, if your podcast was there, because as of January 15th, it will, um, it will be gone. And lastly, I just thought it was interesting that, um, I don't know if we remember this, Kenny, you may, but uh, Twitter actually started out as an app, a podcast app called Odeo. 
and then it eventually evolved into Twitter. And so it's interesting that maybe they're sort of going back to their roots a little bit. Um, I don't know if somebody over there was getting a little nostalgic for the podcast space, but um, who knows? Maybe they're, maybe they'll relaunch Odeo or something um, at Twitter. I doubt that, but it will be interesting to see where this where this goes. More like, oh no, you don't. <laughs> I, I was actually going to add so helpful thought. I just realized as you were describing all that, Joey, that like when I pick, when I choose the platform that I listen to my podcast on and I'm not like a, I'm not like a pro audio, I'm like probably your day-to-day podcast listener. I do pick the platform based on how easily I can find new content that's relevant to what I'm listening to because there is not that you know, social share of what people are listening to, you know, you post, you see people's Instagram stories, or they text things to you. And that's kind of the extent of sharing and recommending and kind of staying in, you know, what feels relevant to what I'm listening to. But I think that's like really interesting. If it's something that's integrated into Twitter or integrated into any of the other platforms, like I'm much more likely to one, pay attention to get recommendations that are actually relevant to me versus like, the sometimes not great algorithms that come with the podcast platforms. And then three, use a different podcast platform because of, you know, the interface or the functionality or the quality versus just the recommendation algorithm. Yeah. And and it's interesting too with the with the podcast apps right now is that um, you know, I I I think I've talked about this before, but I've used Stitcher for the past 10 years and recently they released an update that basically wiped away all of the the best features, all the things that I really liked about it, um, including like listening stats and playlists and things like that, um, some of their functionality. And people on Reddit have been very, very disappointed and uh, really upset with the way Stitcher rolled this out. So this is kind of a moment where a lot of podcast listeners are looking for a new podcatcher. And, you know, it is kind of this weird, like, Let's test them all out and see what works. And I like that we have a lot. I'm glad there isn't just one um, that would give way too much uh, weight to the Apples and Spotify's. But um, I would also say and encourage that if Apple and Spotify don't work for the way you like to listen to podcasts, that there are plenty of other, you know, there's uh, Pocket Cast, there's Overcast, there's so many other podcast platforms out there that um, I think you can find the right one for you. Coming to Netflix this spring. (laughs) She fights crime. She listens to podcasts. She's the podcatcher. I had actually never heard that word before, so I'm glad you introduced me to that. Well, 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 you're introducing me to new words. So, on that note, (laughs) yes, this has been. educational and interesting and fun i'm so glad to be back here in 2021 with you amanda with you beth with you joey i'm glad to be back here with all of you uh if you have any thoughts questions comments prayers you know thoughts and prayers always go together um you can email us at podcasts at gray.com that's podcasts at gray.com and for the first time this year and i mean this with all sincerity Stay safe, stay smart, stay social. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Petty and Grace McDougall. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.